So we're continuing with our David series today. So can we turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30? So we've been having some great words and great messages. If you've missed them, I really encourage you to to listen to them online. Um, You know, powerful words about learning lessons from uh, David's life. I did have to spell a little bit some of the titles we've had. We've been looking at how to grow in affliction, how to grow in sorrow, how to grow in times of testing and obscurity. And I'm like, oh, heck, it's all about... (laughs) I'm a bit settled today when we're looking at how to grow in sorrow. Do you know, you like go, oh God, that's like, that's tough, isn't it? How we grow through times of sorrow and all these other things that we've done. And there's been some brilliant rich pickings in these previous preachers to be able to, to glean from and to learn from. Because I don't know why it is, but when we're on our mountaintop experiences and we have that wonderful time where everything's going well and we can praise and just serve God and everything is good, but there is something about those valleys where we get squeezed and tested and tried that take us to the very depth of our faith and what it's all about, that there is an intense time of growth that we see in a completely different way than we do from the celebrating. So we're going to have a look. So so are you up for it? Yes, we are, because God's word is always good. So we've left David. Um, He's literally been with Saul, as you'd have heard, Aaron did a brilliant preach last week. And he could have took matters into his own hands and killed Saul. But he knew and he said, who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed? Wasn't the right time. But knowing that it wasn't safe for him, he decided he would take himself and his family and the troops that were following him and they would leave that place because they knew that they were still under threat of Saul. So they actually, he actually went and lived in the Philistines areas and in a place called Ziklag where he thought safety is great here. This would be a great place for my family to be safe. And so this is where we joined them. So he's been doing, still doing amazing in battles, still showing all the things that, that he can do. And we pick it up at chapter 30, verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive women and everyone else, young and old. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their children, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. So David and his men wept. They wept aloud, and they wept until they had no strength left to weep. Then David's two wives, who had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmen, David was greatly distressed. And the men who were with him were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength 
in his God. David found strength in his God. David, a man after God's own heart, a man who messed up on so many different occasions, a man who we can read so beautifully throughout the Psalms that he wrote in his times of worship, where he went from everything was brilliant to everything was in despair. And it's refreshing, isn't it? <laughs> is it just me? Or is it like really refreshing to know that it's okay to have highs and lows, to know that it's all right, that it doesn't, everything doesn't have to be going okay and be great all the time? Because church, bad things happen to good people. Do you know, we, we have this very, um, we have to Really be careful that we don't take in some kind of Eastern philosophies in different ways that sometimes we can look at things as if it's almost like we deserve it or the favour of God has left us if we get ill or we don't have prosperity in our lives or something is going on. And it's always good to examine our hearts and to make sure that we are coming before God and worshipping him. But there's nothing in the Bible that says everything will always go okay and it's all going to be good in a worldly sense. So when we've just been singing about God, give us vision to see things as you do, there's a whole mindset shift about what success is in this world. Because when I'm reading the Bible, it says this to me, where Jesus said, in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. See, it's not karma where it's like you deserve bad things to happen to you if you've been bad in a previous life or you've been good previously so you deserve blessing and favour. And sometimes we can kind of mix that almost in with a little bit of Christianese and say God's always going to bless with prosperity, blessing, health, wealth. It doesn't say that anywhere. What it says is you'll have trouble in this world. But for one thing, he will give you peace in it. And the other is that, remember, I have overcome the world. So whichever way we are viewing this, ultimately, we come back and we go. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. See, one of the things that I think must have been so hard for David was, one, he thought he'd done the right thing. He'd left Saul. He'd, he'd not touched the Lord's anointed. He was trying to do the right thing. He tried to take into his own hands as to where he thought it would be safe for his family. And then everything was destroyed. So when you can imagine this whole army of men coming and just weeping and weeping and literally until they had no strength left to weep. They had nothing left within them. And then the men who would have died for David because they were so loyal and so passionate to him. There was such a bitterness then in their spirit as to what had happened that they were ready to stone him. So even in that, he's trying to lead them and he's just like going, he could sense that bitterness within him. And all the, the guilt of should he have been there, should he have took them to that safe place, it obviously wasn't a safe place at all for them. 
and that bitterness. Church, we've got to be so careful to guard our hearts against bitterness. Oh God, may we see things as you do. Sometimes we can look at our situations and our circumstances and we can just cry out in bitterness that this is something that is so horrendous to me that my heart is full of that root of bitterness. And God says, in me you will have peace. You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you know, I was following um, a young girl that had been on uh, America's Got Talent last year, and um, her audition went viral. Really lovely voice, she's only 30. And um, she just came on the stage and she sang a beautiful song called It's Okay. So she was going out, all the social media stuff, singing how it's okay. But actually, when you read her story, she was actually full of faith, but she was full of cancer. And so this was the third time that she'd had cancer. And her husband had left her because he couldn't deal with the constant illness. So Simon Cowell gave her this golden buzzer. The confetti's going. Everything's looking great. And um, she stood there wholeheartedly singing this this from the very pits of where she'd been ill to know that with God, it's okay. But she was so poorly, she couldn't even sing in the live finals, which were not that long ago. And um, I was like following some of the things that she wrote, and she was incredibly inspirational. And she just said about the times when she was really ill, and she was literally on the bathroom floor being so ill. And she said she would look up and she'd be looking for God. And she'd be going, where are you, God, in the midst of all this? And then she said, if you can't see him, look lower. Because God is on the bathroom floor with you. She said, you can't wait until life is not hard to be happy. It's okay. So some have called me cursed. Some have called me lost. Some have called me scorned, but that's not all, because I know I am chosen. I know I am blessed. I am sought after, and God called me, and the one who whispers his secrets to me on the bathroom floor. Do you know, sadly, she died recently. Everything in me wanted her miracle, her success. As my worldly eyes would look at it, I wanted her healed. I wanted her a famous star who was going to preach and tell her story all over the place. But God had other plans. Success isn't always how we think it is. Church, we have to just say, God, give me vision to see things as you do. Because with my worldly eyes, I want everybody healed and healthy and wealthy and everything good. But what I find is that actually there are so many times when God says, let me meet you on that bathroom floor. Let me whisper the secrets of how adored and loved you are. How chosen, how precious how you are called to make a difference in this world in whatever way that may be. 
So while David was going through this, we know that he was also writing Psalms at the same time. And he wrote some in Psalm 18, which in fact I'll read a little bit of that to you. Because in the process, he was saying, Lord, I love you with all my strength. God, you are my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. God, I take refuge in you. And then we just flip over to Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of my anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. Does anybody recognize those words from anywhere else in Scripture? Because they are the very words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Jesus is quoted as saying as he hung on the cross. Knowing that the ultimate suffering and separation of God. Of him hanging there, humiliated. Not knowing what was going on. Because there was that separation from God in that moment where he couldn't see God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In this psalm, it continues to tell us a prophecy of what Jesus would go through. It says, all my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garments. All the way through the Bible, we have this beautiful Christology of the foretelling of Jesus, the Messiah, right the way through from Genesis to Revelation about our beautiful Christ who will come and make a way for us. And here we see that separation of God, that suffering, so he can know that when you are on those times in the bathroom floor, God is is with you and he knows exactly what you're going through because he's been there. Those layers of suffering that you think nobody understands, Jesus is with you, whispering secrets of how adored you are on that bathroom floor. In Matthew 27, when he was on the cross crying out and they mocked him and they said, is he calling for Elijah? Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And it just made me think, gosh, in the world, the eyes of looking at success, Jesus' ministry was not ending in success. He'd had three years of going forward and they're going, come on, Jesus, if you, if you are this great, mighty God, King of the Jews, get down from the cross. And they're mocking him and taunting him. So he understands that rejection. He understands what it is to think, well, this doesn't look like success. This doesn't look like it should have been. My ministry's not gone right. My life is being literally ebbed away from me. Good Friday does not look like it's success. But the beauty of the way that we change our vision is when we see things like 
Jesus does. When we turn our vision to say, God, let me see the trials and the tribulations and the sorrows of this world like Jesus does, then we see it with the Resurrection Sunday eyes. Because he didn't stay there, did he? He didn't stay in his suffering. He ended up being able to come with resurrection power that we celebrate on Easter Sunday and every other day, the very depths of our faith to see things like he does. Success may not look like what you are thinking it's going to look like. Sometimes we are going, God, have you forsaken me? God, why is your favor not on this? Church, Change your vision and your mindset to see things as, as God does. As the band come back up, we're going to actually sing together very shortly. Our version of it's okay. And our version is that it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Because things don't always turn out A, B, C, Great testimony of long life, health, wealth and fullness in the way that we would like it from a worldly point of view. Sometimes we think we've got our families in a safe place and things happen that are not safe. And we are wrecked with things of like, God, have you forsaken me? Don't I honour you? Don't I walk with you? Don't I serve you wholeheartedly? But when we have that change a vision in that way that we see. We're living in Resurrection Sunday. That is where we are living. But as we just look, as we close to the rest of that chapter, it says and continues that actually David found strength in the Lord and he did not stay in that place of weeping. He gathered those 600 troops again and they went back to battle to claim back all that was theirs. And that sounds like that's going to be a wonderful ending, but there is a big lesson for us to be learned here. Verse 9, David and the 600 men with him came to Besor Valley where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David... And the other 400 continued in pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink, food to eat, a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived. For he had not eaten any food or drink for three days and three nights. You know, when Elijah had that massive battle, didn't he? And then he was exhausted. When we even look at these troops, 200 of the troops there, that's a third of the army, were exhausted. They needed rest. They needed to be restored. They needed food. They needed physical health. They needed to sleep. They needed to drink. The same as Elijah did after his big battle. And do you know this week is actually Mental Health Awareness Week as well. Sometimes we forget that we are whole people, body, mind, soul and spirit. All those aspects of us are really important. 
We need to look after ourselves and each other. And when it's times that there are people are exhausted or we're exhausted, that we need each other to stand around and say, time to rest. It's all right. Because actually, when you read through that chapter, the same honor and the equal share was given to those that were, had to stay and rest as well as those that went into battle. Just different seasons. Every season is beautiful in its own time. So as we come to just worship and to thank our God that whatever season we're in, whether we're on our, our mountaintops, whether we're exhausted, even Mother Teresa, who must be like the, the, the holiest person and saint that has ever walked the earth, writes about dark nights of her soul. And Charlie Maxey, who I know I've given out a, a few of his books over the years, that does the boy, mole, fox and horse, and he does these lovely caricatures. And he says in one of his characters, feeling low is not a weakness. To speak of it is actually very courageous. So we are so blessed in this place because we have prayer teams that can stand with us. We have professional counseling where you can go and know that you just need that little bit of extra support. We're in a country where we have a brilliant NHS that we can access our GPs and just know that we are a wealth of complexity, body, mind, soul, and spirit. And God can heal in an instant or he can use divine appointments and other ways for us to go on our journeys. It's not always success as to how we think it's going to look. Church, know that God has got every day of your life in the palm of his hand. He knows when you sit and when you rise. He knows your comings and goings. He knows and adores every hair on your head. He knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. Even before you were formed in your mother's womb. And that doesn't matter whether that was by choice or by incident or how you came into being. God formed you even before you were in your mother's womb. He knew you and he created you and he knows you. And he says, I have great plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you an incredible hope and a bright future to look through the eyes that I can see, not by what the world is telling you is success and that it's, everything's okay, but to live in the Resurrection Sunday success, to know that he has overcome the world. So take heart, my friends. Take heart that if you are on the bathroom floor, may you know Jesus whispering to you that he knows he's been there and he will take you by hand and say, all the years that have gone before, I will restore. I will restore. There is a specific verse that I do feel is for someone um, specifically. That you've been asking God about all the, the stuff that's happened before and it's just been, have all those years been wasted? All those years I've wasted. And this is for you, and it's in Joel 2. 
and where this whole plague of locusts had just destroyed the fields. And God would say to you today, don't be afraid. The pastures in the wilderness are becoming green again. I will repay you for all the years the locusts have eaten. So Jesus, as we come to praise you now, God, as we thank you that you hung suffering so you would know our suffering and our sorrow. God, I thank you that God, in those intense times, that God, that is the most intense time of growth in our faith, in our knowledge of you. God, give us vision so we see things as you do, not as the world sees. God, breathe hope again. Breathe faith again. As David's found strength in the Lord, find your strength again. Because some of you in here have been called to use your voice and be of great influence. And you're being battered and feeling bitter. And God would say, let that go. Because it is well. It is well with your soul. So as we stand together now, may this be a prayer of our hearts. God, an inspiration, a meditation and a word of our hearts today for you. God, that it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Church, know God whispering to you on that bathroom floor. In Jesus' name, amen.